Welcome to Pillars of Smoke. My name is Sam. Hey, and I'm MAGA. What a banger. If you're listening to this in the morning, I'm not sorry. No, we're not. Good morning. <laughs> and this song is just, I mean, this song just slaps. Bro. Oh, it does. It absolutely the, slaps. The, for, first of all, that drop. Oh, my gosh. That yes. initial drop. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh. And the duck, the uh. The drums are just insane. You know what I love about Beartooth is that this whole, um, this entire album is also an acoustic. No, it's not. What? Oh, my goodness. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, my goodness. Hold on. Check this out. Is this the same song? This is the exact same song. The whole album is also an acoustic album. Oh man. <laughs> Didn't forget Goosebumps. And you're not forgiven. Live every day with the He's not lying, he has goosebumps. Torture doesn't begin to describe it. This song, I mean, this song just That's fantastic. I won't forget, I won't forget. Who knew you'd be hated oh, for? Harmony that comes yes. in. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. The the actual, the album is, is actually, I like the acoustic album better than the original. Personally. It's so beautiful. It's, it is very it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a great, it's a great album. You see, that's what I like about it. Man, bands, bands that know how to be in their lane. Mm-hmm. But can also switch to a different one very well. Yeah, there's not a lot that can do that. Well, you know, this is the special thing about it, about Beartooth is just that their their lead singer is just so diverse. He can scream, he can yell, yeah, he can he can hit the high notes, but he can also tone just it tone back down, down and, he can act, and he can actually sing. Mm. That's the that's the beautiful thing about Beartooth, mm. and I mean it's just they're one of my favorite bands, like one of my favorite metalcore bands. <sighs> But Amazing. I am. You know I am simple. You, you know who can do that? I'm basic. That's what. That's you know what who can do that? T Pain. Oh, T Pain. He can do that. <laughs> Have you heard? You take T Pain off the auto, off the auto oh, tune. Off the auto tune. He's and great. He is an amazing. Like he could be like an R and B singer if he wanted to. Absolutely. Have you heard his uh, Tennessee Whiskey? Yes. Bro, that's fantastic awesome. song. He did. He did such a great job with that song. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was fantastic with that song. He did great. You know who else did great? Who? Luke. 
Uh, Luke did great. He did amazing. <laughs> he did amazing writing this entire book. It's just as poetic as these guys are. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Especially here and how he recounts chapter seven. Chapter seven. And the, and, and, and the things that happen in chapter seven. If you guys haven't realized, that's what we're getting into today in, the, in this episode. Uh, we're diving into Luke chapter seven. If you were able to stick with us through Luke chapter six. We thank you. We thank uh, you very much for sticking <laughs> with us. If you listen to all all four, five of those episodes, no, it wasn't that many, was it? I think it was like four, I think it was like four, it was dude. Like three or four. I think it was like four. Ugh. I can't remember. Man, it's all a blur. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of a blur. But chapter seven will not be as such. No, um, it will not. This one is definitely two episodes. This one's definitely two episodes for sure. We promise it will not be any longer. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump in here. Let's right? hit it. Let's hit it. Uh, and we're and we're gonna kind of just uh, just survey s- survey the first seventeen verses. Yeah. Uh, because there's, I mean, I mean, it's not like a lot, a lot of stuff. That and happens. it's kind of repetitive work that Jesus had already been doing. He had already been doing miracles. Right. And, he's traveling and, just, and he's, going to different exactly. towns and all these things. Right. So here we find him, you know, entering into where? Into Capernaum, I think. I think, I believe so. Yeah, he's entering into Capernaum. And, and kick us off, bro. So uh, the first miracle that we have here. So it, it's, it's kind of funny because almost every single chapter of Luke starts with like a miracle. Uh, but here we have a miracle that jesus performs right at the beginning of this one and he just as you said he entered into capernaum and there is a centurion a roman centurion so he's he's like a roman uh military officer yeah roman dignitary um military officer better yeah he's a he's a he's a roman military officer and and he this centurion comes to jesus and immediately recognizes his authority. Yeah. And he's just like, I, I, I knew who you are. <laughs> I have a service that needs healing. Can you can you do it? And Jesus is like, You just you just gonna ask me that? Like, where is the guy? He oh he's he's at my house. He's sick, but I need you to heal him. But you don't no no no. I'm a man of authority as well. I understand who you are and I know that you have authority. Hey David Blaine, get to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially what's going yeah, on. Yeah, pretty here. much. It's just like it's just like I know who you are. Just do it. Do your thing, bro. <laughs> and 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 this is and this is what I love though, right? Because this center, this Roman center, a pagan man, pagan man. He, yep. he has his they own Roman worships gods. hundreds of oh gods. Oh my gosh, he probably has like his his family mm-hmm. god sitting up on somewhere in like a table, in a, in a table somewhere on his yeah. house in his house and everything else and. Probably makes his family Certainly. pray to the family gods all, all day. He goes and to like Caesarea Philippi to worship that you know in yes. that in that area in the, in the as well. The pantheon of temples yes, and everything exactly, else. Exactly, exactly. And and here this centurion just has heard of who Jesus is, recognizes his authority, and says, "I like you am a man of authority, and I <laughs> when I send someone to do something, I know it gets done. Oof. I know you can do the same thing for my servant." Wow. And Jesus responds to him with verse 9. Give it to us. Uh, he says, hold on, because I just lost it here on my notes. I tell he you. He says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him. So there's an entire crowd of people mm-hmm. looking at Jesus, interacting with a Roman, which yep. is like, what are you doing, Jesus? Why are you here? Why, why are you even talking to this guy? 
When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Wow. That's big. <laughs> and then verse 10. And when those who had been sent to returned to the house, they found the servant well. Yeah. So here's, here's, here's an interesting observation here. We're starting to see Jesus is more than willing to step outside the norm. Absolutely. And he's not just speaking to Jews. He talks to whoever he wants. Everyone. And another interesting thing to note here is that the legend of Jesus, it's, it's making its way around yes. you know, uh, the ancient Near East. It's not just staying mm-hmm. in... Um, it's not just Galilee. staying in one city. It's not just staying in Capernaum. It's not just it's not just like a local tale or something like that. No, 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 no. It's starting to make its way around all of the surrounding regions, and wherever he goes, there are crowds and multitudes of people waiting on him, in order to either ask him for something, just witness something great, or even just, just hear him teach, or just hear him teach, like we saw with um, with the Sermon on the Mount, uh, with the Sermon on the Mount, just. In chapter six. <laughs> <laughs> so we, 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 we move on from this one, right? And and he's he's entered into Capernaum. And then it says that he traveled to a different city called Nain. Nain. Right? And N-A-I-N. Nain. Nain. Whatever, whatever Nain. you want to say. Uh, and as he's walking into this city, into this town called Nain, he sees a funeral procession happening. Yep. And it happens to be the funeral procession of a widow's son mm-hmm. who just died. So think about it. It's like her only son. She's already a widow, so she doesn't have her husband. And normally at this point in time, if you were a widow, you usually relied on your on your children to help you at this point. Yes. But now who does she have? She has no one. No one. So it's it, Jesus is seeing this. Here's this kind of information. And there's a compassion that comes out of him. Yep. I'm not going to let this woman go through the rest of her life with no one to help her. Because I know what happens to the widows. They're at the mercy of the Pharisees. They're at the mercy of, of, of the synagogue to, right. to take care of her at this point. And he decides to resurrect her son. But here's the crazy part. There's this, it, it, the, the, the passage says that he... he uh, da, 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 da. I went too far. Uh, he had compassion on her. He said, do not weep. Then he came up and touched, touched. the beer. And the bear stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Oh. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Wow. And, and the rest of the crowd that's following him, because there's always a crowd following Jesus, is just amazed at what Jesus just did. And they start to glorify God about it, right? My goodness. Here's another observation. That must have been... Damn weird awe-inspiring and <laughs> shocking that must have been terrifying oh my god for real like but consider the two illustrations that we just saw we have we have one of jesus speaking to a roman centurion mm-hmm. a man who the jews don't like yep tolerate because He's part of the tyrannical government that's above they, them. They have to tolerate They him. have to tolerate him, but they normally don't even, speak to the Romans. And they even have to celebrate them at times. Yes. But they don't but but they normally 
don't don't associate yeah, themselves with him. So here we have Jesus now breaking from the mold, associating with a Roman, and not only a regular Roman, a centurion, mm-hmm. and on top of that, healing someone from that man's household. The people who are directly oppressing you. He's healing the enemy. Yep. And then he goes into this other town and decides to touch the coffin. The bear. The bear. The thing holding a dead body. The platform that's carrying the dead. Which would have made him ritualistically unclean. He is not only willing to associate with people who already are seen as unclean people, but now he is going as far as to make himself unclean to resurrect someone from the dead. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. Oh, Jesus breaking every single freaking norm that you could think of. Talk about talk about ruffling some feathers oh socially. But then also talk about his messiahship. Mm. And let's talk about what his messiahship. Here, and what he's here to do. Let's talk about his messiahship. Right? <laughs> so now we're going to get into the meat potatoes of this section. Uh, this is really where we're going to spend our time. This yes. is where we're really going to camp out here. Considering the backdrop and the background that we got in, this, in these first 17 verses. We're going to go ahead and jump into... Verse 18 18 through 35. This is the main passage that we're looking at for today. Oh, yeah. And uh, give us some meat and potatoes, brother. So 18 starts with the disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Let's pause here for a second, because at this point in time, where is John? He is in prison. He's in prison. And he why? has. Do you know why he's in prison? Why is he in prison? He is in prison. Oh, I know why he's in prison. But tell, us, <laughs> tell us why he's he in prison. He is in prison because I, I think it's interesting and it's funny how sometimes we're we are a little disconnected here in the United States. Oh, absolutely. With the rest of cultural norms in other countries and other oppressed countries and even third world countries, that something that that he is in prison for would seem very normal to people in other countries, even in the 21st century. But in the United States, this is incomprehensible to us at times. John the Baptist is in prison because he publicly opposed and critiqued politicians and the king. That's why he's in prison. He openly spoke out about his king. Specifically... His king taking his brother's wife. Yeah. You're an adultery, sir. <laughs> That's why he's in prison. He called out the king for being an adulterer. That's why he's in prison. So we find John the Baptist in prison. And the only thing that he... And, and he hasn't seen Jesus... In a while. In a while. And the other thing he is that he hasn't... A year he hasn't seen Jesus perform any miracles. At all. At all. He's only seen him... You know, kind of teaching here and there, maybe bringing on disciples. But he hasn't seen him do any miracles yet. He hasn't seen it, but he's heard. But he's heard. The legend of Jesus is making its way around. And right now, John, sitting in this prison, Mm -hmm. has his disciples come to him and just tell him 
that Jesus made himself unclean by touching a dead body and resurrecting it from, from the dead. And he's associating. And he's associating with their oppressors. What, what, being John the Baptist and, and knowing who we know that he is, and I'm not going to go any further because the text kind of tells us in a little while, it'll tell us. But I would just be furious. I would be fuming. I would be so. I would be so pissed <laughs> I'd off. I'd be pissed. I would off. be so pissed off, man. I'm like, I'm sitting in prison, or John the Baptist is sitting in prison. He, your biggest advocate, the biggest supporter of your ministry, is sitting in prison, and you're fraternizing with the enemy. <laughs> you are healing their servants, and on top of that. On top of that, you are defiling yourself mm. by touching something associated with a corpse, mm. which is a big no-no in Levitical law, which we have, we which we know that John was a keeper of. Mm-hmm. And now think about this: what might be going through John's head? John knows who Jesus is. Yeah. He, he, he recognizes him as the Messiah. And, I mean, in this moment, he has his doubts. Yes. You know, there's, there's, there's a little bit of doubt happening no, here with, with John. Some commentators will say that. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. There's, there's a little go bit ahead. of doubt happening here with John. There's a lot of doubt, actually. Yeah, there's a, lot, <laughs> there's a lot of doubt. But at the same time, I'm sure John has heard of Jesus' little scuff. Mm-hmm. In the synagogue when he went to go teach. Absolutely. And the scroll that he read, Isaiah 61, mm-hmm. stating, The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Yep. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Yeah. And here John is sitting in a prison cell hearing about Jesus doing all these miracles and performing all these things, even going as far to making himself unclean and fraternizing with the enemy and healing their people. And he's still stuck in a prison cell. Isn't my Messiah, my cousin of all people supposed to come liberate me from this prison that I'm sitting in? Why the heck am I hearing that he's doing all this other stuff? Is he actually the Messiah? Can can y'all two go back over there and ask him for me? Yeah. Is there someone greater than you that's supposed to come? It makes perfect sense that he, in that context, in the light of that, I think it would make perfect sense that he would send his, his disciples over there. Especially considering that later on he does. Mm-hmm. Now... But it doesn't end there. And it does not it end does there. Not end we're, there. we're far from ending it. Far from ending. So let's go let's go back into this text. So he he sends his guys to this to, to Jesus to ask him this question. Verse twenty. And when the men had come and when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Verse twenty one. In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them. So here's Jesus' answer to the question. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. 
and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Wow. Wow. What an answer. I would have been like, dude, can you answer the question? (laughs) (laughs) But that's your answer. But that's exactly. That's your answer. And and you know what? To, To John's disciples, they may not have understood that. No, absolutely not. They would not have understood that. It, it's crazy to me because I don't even think John would have understood that. And I, in a sense, he would have. Maybe he would have. Well, I think- Maybe that would have given him some comfort. But there's a lot of dispute here of what's going on. Like There's, there's some commentators that would tell you that, that John is sending his disciples to him for them to hear validation and confirmation that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some some controversy starting to bubble up within the disciples of of John himself and John's kind of like probably just sick of hearing this right. from his own disciples. Go but ask that's him. Go ask him. <laughs> if you really want to know, just go ask him, which that would make sense. Right. Because they're also hearing about the things that Jesus is doing and we know that most disciples back then were expecting the Messiah to be a political liberator. Mm-hmm. That he would be a social, uh, kind of like a social economic delegate from the heavens, I guess. Right. To come and to destroy come and the tyranny. Save them. And- yeah. And things like that. You know, so. But in all in all, John's the one who told them to ask the question. Mm-hmm. So John is the one who's sitting in a prison cell, also doubting. Mm-hmm. And what we see here is. The very humanity of John. I, 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 I love what the series The Chosen does with this. Okay. Because The Chosen kind of paints it in this way as like, why isn't Jesus doing his ministry? Well, I mean, John made a public proclamation of the person of Jesus and where his personal expectations of Jesus um where they were yet to be fulfilled. And I think this is an important... Where they were not fulfilled. And I think this is an important application here, point for for every Christian. Because I think oftentimes, and you were kind of alluding to this earlier as well, I think oftentimes we have our expectation Mm -hmm. of who Jesus is supposed to be. Mm. We have an expectation of, well, Jesus is supposed to come in my life. He's supposed to set everything straight. He's supposed to heal me, break my chains, release me from my bonds. (laughs) You know, he's supposed to do all these things and, like, give me blessings and everything else. And my life is supposed to be good. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. Because Jesus' mission in your life through the work of the Holy Spirit is sanctification. To make you more like him. To make you fall in love with the Father more. And the expectation that you have to come is that Jesus is actually going to prune you. And Jesus is going to do whatever he needs to do in your life to make sure that at the end of days, exactly what Ephesians 5 says, that he can present you to himself holy and blameless. You know, I think there's something very interesting here. There's a very interesting dynamic that Jesus is doing something. Mm-hmm. Jesus is doing something extremely special. He just told this, the disciples of John, hey, go back and tell them that people got fed, lepers got healed. You even saw people get resurrected from the dead. Mm. That's something very special is going on. But then you see a very big contrast and dichotomy with, with, mm-hmm. with John sitting in a prison cell, starting to have these major 
doubts to the point where he sends his disciples and say to ask Jesus, are we supposed to wait on someone else? Is it really you? Mm. Because it's incomprehensible to us that someone of the stature of John, that that even Jesus held John to such an elevated level and stature as a as, as a prophet, which we'll see later on. It, sometimes it's befuddling to us that someone of such high stature and acclaim would have such doubts. Hmm. But we also have to remember that it's normal for humans, for natural, regular, red-blooded human <laughs> beings to have doubts, to be yep. tempted, to fall, to give in sometimes to the flesh and this is what mm. we see john here doing he's kind of he's doubting he's and questioning he's questioning but we also see that happen in jeremiah yeah jeremiah did the exact same thing it says here for the word of the lord has become for me a reproach and a and derision all the day long mm. if i say i will not mention him or speak any or speak any more in his name this is in my heart as it as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones mm. and i am weary with holding it in and i cannot hmm. jeremiah chapter 20 verse 8 through 9 jeremiah is over here pleading Oh my gosh talking about the lord and this 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 expectation that we have is becoming draining mm. to the point where i'm even starting to doubt it so it's very normal to see people and to in in, in this journey that we're living as christians to have those momentary doubts it's mm -hmm. okay it's perfectly normal we see the same thing happen with job we see the exact same thing happen with jonah we see the exact same thing happen with amos and habakkuk but you know what's but you know what's beautiful is that with every single one of those prophets, well, minus Jonah, uh, <laughs> Jonah doubted, man. Jonah doubted, and he was an angry one too. Minus, he was a fiery one. Yeah, but they all did something that we all have to also apply into our lives. What is that? Though John had his doubts and questions. There's so many people that have their doubts and questions when it comes to what the Lord is doing. What, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? Why is everything not working out the way that I thought it was supposed to? Your words said it was supposed to do something different. That's not what I'm seeing. All these other things, right? And so many people will just turn away. Yeah. But here John gives us what we're supposed to do. Here, John says, go ask Jesus. Mm. If you're having those doubts, if you're having those questions... Don't go to him. Don't go to anyone else. Go him. Go to him. He's the one that's going to be able to give you the yeah, answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then this kind of turns a corner here. Yeah. Right. Because now he's sent these these disciples off and he said, shoo, get away from me. Here's your answer. Go back to John. Leave me alone. And then verse 24. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So now he so so a bunch of people are now probably he's probably surrounded by a big crowd as he always is. He just they all just saw this interaction. They're all talking about John the Baptist now. Mm -hmm. What what does he have to do with this? He's in prison. All these other things. Why why are we even talking about John? Why are these guys even following John anymore? Yeah. What did you guys go out into the wilderness to see? 
a reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, and who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Mm. And then verse 29 and 30. When all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. This is such an interesting turning point of Very a conversation because it almost seems out of place. It's very, it's, 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 it's extremely out of place. <laughs> <laughs> you Jesus, weren't expecting that. You've been, you've been healing all of us. You've been doing all these things. You just told John, you, the messengers of John came over here asking if you were the, if you're the Messiah and you gave him this really cryptic answer. And now you're talking about John the Baptist being the greatest prophet to ever live you're saying that he's greater than jeremiah and isaiah easy elijah elijah really what what do you mean what why is john so special mag tell us why john is so special john is a very special special prophet what if i were to tell you that john the baptist is an Old Testament prophet. What do you think most people would say to that? You're crazy. This is the New Testament. We're reading about him here. If he was an Old Testament prophet, there would have been a book called John the Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> the last one wouldn't have been what Malachi. <laughs> right, for real. <laughs> but yeah, he's very special. One, because he is an Old Testament prophet. Consider the fact that Isaiah writes about him mm -hmm. as a future prophet, right. the one who is going to usher in. He is going to be the forerunner of, of Christ and all of that and the forerunner of the Messiah and so on and so forth, which is like future tense. And we imagine that and we think that that is going to be a New Testament concept. Hmm. Yes, it is. But this is not a New Testament concept. It's an Old Testament fulfillment. Mm. That is what john the baptist is and so is christ by the way right secondly john the baptist is an old testament prophet because the ministry of jesus yes it had already started but the crucifixion resurrection and ascension hadn't happened yet hmm. this is still before this is technically still bc this is still technically happening in the intertestamental period right and this was also the first prophet that would break the 400 years like of you silence. said earlier yeah it would break the 400 years of silence so yet john the baptist is a very 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 special prophet because he is directly aligned with jesus he is the direct not only is he the cousin of jesus hmm. but he is the one who is ushering jesus's ministry in the ministry that will bring us salvation, the
the ministry that brings us peace with God, mm. the ministry that that ushers in the grace and the mercy and the love of the cross. Mm. That's who John the Baptist was. And that's what Jesus is telling people. Jesus is telling people, hey, this this guy, John the Baptist, he's not wrong about me. And yeah, he's having his doubts. He's having his moment, but he's human. But I love, what does verse 28, 28 say? I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That is shocking. How can he be best? Jesus, how can, how can he be but the... Then, but then other people are greater. <laughs> but then the ones who come after him are greater? Come on, Yoda. What are you <laughs> You're going to tell me that Luke is greater than John the Baptist? You're going to tell me that Paul is greater? That Aquinas is greater? You're going to tell me that who else? Jonathan Edwards and Calvin and Luther and Zwingli and MacArthur and Sproul and Gritli? So then, So then why were these guys greater than he? How can we be greater? How can you and I be greater? That's such a, that's such a, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's asinine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. It's, Jesus this is an oxymoron. Oh, absolutely. So how can we be greater? Well, the reason why is because all of these prophets in the past, including John the Baptist, were waiting on the Messiah. Hmm. They were waiting to see the work, the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. The, Jesus here isn't speaking about political and social He's status. He's not speaking of, of, of economic stature or, or financial wealth. We're not greater in, in personality. We're not better than them as people. Absolutely not. You, I can just imagine how many crowns John the Baptist is, has thrown at, at the feet of Jesus, will have thrown at the feet of Jesus. What, what Jesus is talking about here is that we who come after John the Baptist will be greater because we would have been witnesses. They would have been witnesses to the fulfillment of the prophecies that John was delivering forward. Mm. And that fulfillment was the life work death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Mm. That's why we're greater. That's why it's better. It's better because these guys were waiting for something to happen. Post John the Baptist, they're seeing it happen. They're seeing it happen in front of their faces. They're seeing these leopards be healed. They're seeing a man come to life. They're, mm. they're seeing Jesus. And not only is he greater in those senses that in the sense that they saw the life work and ministry of Jesus, but they're greater because they saw that they saw the inauguration, the establishment of the new covenant. Mm. That's what makes it even better. That's the cherry on top. That's the sweetness of all of it. Mm -hmm. They were there to see the salvation. They were there to see that salvation delivered only by Christ. Mm. And this is an aspect this is what this is one of the aspects that Jesus addresses with John the Baptist's disciples. Is there another one? Are we waiting on another one? Well, Jesus's response is not any it's not cryptic at all. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's not 
cryptic is because Jesus responds to them, telling them there is no other one doing the work that I'm doing. Mm. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one will come to the Father except through me. And, and he addresses the, the, the point of 1 Timothy um, 2 5, where he said, where, where Paul writes, There is no mediator between God and man. Mm. It's, it's only him. him. It's him. There is one mediator between God and man. Well, this also kind of reminds me of the incident with Thomas. Yes. That's another one. Yeah, that's a great one. That's the, it, it, it's, it's very reminiscent of that St. Thomas is doubting. Are you, are you him? I saw you die. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. how are you alive in front of... I, 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 I need to touch your scars. I need to yeah. put my hand in your side. I need, to, I need to put my hand physically where the spear went in. I'm not going to believe it if I don't. Yeah. And he says, all right, here. Touch my hand. Touch my scar. Takes his hand, sticks it inside the wound. Can you imagine, like, putting your hand inside the spear slot? Oh, yeah. Of Jesus' rib? Just... <laughs> <laughs> kind of excused me out a little bit. Oh yeah, uh, cool. Been, been, got back into the boys. There's a guy named Deep that has like gills. And that kind of <laughs> it's weird. Uh, but Jesus's response to Thomas: mm -hmm. "Blessed are those who believe without having seen." Absolutely. It's the same thing same here. Thing. It's the same thing. John is blessed. He's. There's no one greater than John, born of women. But those that are coming after him. We're blessed even more. Are greater we than are him. seeing the fulfilled new co covenant. They're, they're, they're on the other side of the cross. Absolutely. They don't have to wait mm -mm. to see who I am. They're going to read about me. They're going to they're gonna feel my Holy Spirit. They're yep. gonna, everything. Yep. You receive salvation the moment you believe in Christ. John didn't get that. And that's such an extraordinary and special message that didn't sink in. Mm. Show us why it didn't sink in. Verse 31. To what? what? Would, hold on. If you would have heard that from Jesus, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples of John. After hearing all of that, what would you think? Would you believe it? Would you not believe it? Would you abandon John and follow Jesus? Would you abandon Jesus and abandon John? <laughs> what would you do? What would you do? Jesus, I'm going to follow you around for a couple of days, but I need to think about this for a second. <laughs> Check out Jesus' response. 31. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Wow. It's like that's complicated too. <sighs> that's complicated, man. That's a complicated response. That's this is a really deep and complex conversation that he's having with mm -hmm. these people. This is no this is by no means easy to understand. Oh, not at all. At not all. all. And it's but what but what he's giving them 
is just such profound truth mm-hmm. of who they are. Yeah. It's such a profound truth of who they are. And it's, it's, you think of it. it I, I love when, I love whenever Jesus decides to use children as an example, right? You, you know, come to me, like let, let the little, let the little let children, children come, come to, to me. me. Um, out of the mouth of babes because they're you know they don't have a filter and the the one that uh have um, have childlike faith yeah Um, and um oh my gosh anvil no cast them in the ocean yeah oh my gosh if if you hurt any of these little (sighs) children you'd be better off wrapping a freaking anvil around your throat and throwing yourself into the ocean go kill yourself of in other words uh not literally don't do that no don't do that don't Don't do that (laughs) not advocating that uh but in other words I it it I love when he compares them to children, because children are not very aware of who they are. Yeah, children are still exploring who they are. They're yeah. still trying to find out who they are. And when you look at when when you look at lifespan development, a child doesn't really, really start to figure out who they are and the things they like and really become self aware until adolescence. Yeah, on adolescence, yeah. And adolescence really starts at fifteen years old and it goes all the way to twenty two. So even at even at a young adult age in 20, 21, 22 years old, you're still trying to figure out who it is that you are and still trying to become self-aware of who you are. Absolutely. And there's so many things that you don't get about yourself. Yeah. And here Jesus is saying the same thing. Well, you don't get who you are. Well, what I love about this is also verse 31. Um, I compare the people of this generation mm. and what they are like. He is comparing not just the disciples, not just the Pharisees, not just the Roman oppressors, but everyone person in that generation are like little children. And you know what? To an extent, even this generation. But what are little children? And in my mind, little children are capricious. That's what they are. They're capricious. Caprichosos. Caprichoso. <laughs> they, they really are. They're capricious. They don't understand their emotions and their feelings. And, and they don't know how to control them either. They don't know how to control the, them, their feelings, their emotions, or themselves. I love the illustration because we played the flute and you did not dance. We sang uh, a, a dridge, dridge? A, a dirge. Dirge. We sang, which is we like sang a, a dirge, song. yeah, which is a funeral song. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. We wanted to play and sing along, and we wanted to make you happy, and you weren't happy. We wanted to make you sad, and, and you, you weren't, weren't sad. sad. You asked us to do this, and you didn't do yeah. it. You weren't happy with whatever it was that we did. Immediately, verse thirty-three. For John came, he didn't eat bread, he didn't drink. He was as righteous as the Pharisees were. And you call and you said that he had demons. And I come eating and drinking and socializing with people. And you still have an issue with that. And here's the beautiful they thing. I don't know what they want. Now here's the beautiful thing. You don't want to know what ties it all together? Yes. Go for it. Because 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 here's 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 like this like one thing that Jesus is telling them, like if you guys don't freaking get this, if you don't stop acting like children and look at the truth that is in front of your face, if you don't want to recognize me as the Messiah, you will not be blessed. Mm-hmm. If you want to continue to be offended by who I am, you're not going to be blessed. Yep. You're not going to receive salvation. You're not going to get this. 
verse 23. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Wow. The generation was offended by him. They were. Because he was calling them out. He was telling them, the religious elite that have set traditions before you, that you all willingly follow for no reason, because it doesn't even fall within the law. I don't understand why you, do, why you guys are doing this. You need to return back to the things that we have asked that I have asked you to do. Yep. You need to turn back to the application of actual scripture. You need to follow what the law is telling you to do and just do it. You know, for me, what ties it all together is here in, in this final section, 33 to 35. And it, and it brings out two particular verses in scripture. Um, one's in Romans and one's in James. You know, God... God is just, we're, we're unjust. Right. He's holy, we're not. You know, Paul labors the point that, that the only way we can be justified is not by our deeds or our works because they're always tarnished. They're always wrong. And, and he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Hmm. So so we have to be justified by faith and faith alone. Amen. Which is what he tells John's disciples. Look at look at the works that just happened here. Look at everything that just happened here. It I'm producing those works. You need to have faith in me because he is the only way. Hmm. And then in, in James chapter um, chapter 2, verse 14, James answers that question by saying, um, was Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac to the altar? So, so we have Paul saying that we're justified by works, and James is saying that we're justified by Excuse me, we have Paul saying that we're justified by faith, and then we have James saying that we're justified by works. How does this how does this resolve? Because James also says that faith without works is dead. Dead. Because Abraham's works were driven by his faith. Absolutely. Because yes, he walked up that mountain with his son, he set up the altar, he tied him up, he put him down. But the entire time Isaac kept asking him where is the sacrifice coming mm -hmm. from? And Abraham kept saying the same thing. The Lord will provide it. Mm -hmm. Abraham still had the faith over and over and over again of God will provide the sacrifice. God will provide the sacrifice. God will provide the sacrifice. And then that pours in over to here in Luke chapter 7. And in verse 35, what does it say? Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. He says that the wisdom is shown by its fruit. Mm. by the results of that that is manifested uh, we don't know whether you know whether a decision we make is a wise one or a wise course of action we only know for sure when we see the results mm. of that work hmm. and here Jesus is saying look at the results of my work Mm -hmm. 
if this does not fulfill prophecy of who I am, then you are not wise. Yep. You are still blind. And that foolish, foolish, foolish generation. Are like children. They're like children. I can tell you when I try to tell my daughters (laughs) to do something because I'm looking at the insight of it, the hindsight, Mm -hmm. and then they don't want to do it. It's the simplest thing in the world. Dad, I want a piece of candy. Finish your dinner first. (laughs) Finish your dinner first. Okay. But then they don't finish the dinner. (laughs) Or they give an attitude with the dinner. And then I don't give them that candy. But why? Because you gave me an attitude the entire time. You didn't want to pay attention to me. You didn't want to listen to me. You didn't want to do what I asked you to do. You didn't want to be wise in that. Why would I give you the fruit? Simple truths. Absolutely. Look at the evidence. Look at what he's showing. Look at what he's done. Look at the work. Look at the fruit that he's produced. How dare we doubt? Just trust him. That's it. And I swear there's no Grace and peace, feeling. y'all. Love you guys. I won't forget. I won't forgive. I won't forget. Who knew you'd be hated for being who you are? And be a big target for all the insecure There's a bullseye painted on our chest In the crosshairs of the ignorant I am not your scapegoat anymore You try to scream but you never will listen You didn't forget and you're not forgiven who knew you'd be hated for being who you are And be a big target for all the insecure There's a bullseye painted on our chest In the crosshairs of the ignorant I am not your scapegoat